praying on Sunday night, and uh, we have a, a nice prayer time. Uh, it's a little different format, and uh, we'd like to have you out on Sunday night if you've not been to a Sunday night prayer meeting. Um, you might enjoy it or you might not, but we invite you out, so it's a, it's a good time. All right, so question and answer Bible study. We can go live on the, on the video. Um, welcome if you're joining us online. Glad to have you. Uh, probably Leela Burton, Bobby Blaine, and uh, anyone else that's tuning in. Uh, tonight, I, I told you we'll do several weeks of QA. Uh, we probably won't have the liberty to do that. I was looking at our schedule, and I've chewed up a lot of our QA time uh, with my Body Life series. So, so uh, we may not have as many weeks of QA as I anticipated, uh, but we'll try to work it in there as we go. Of course, every week is QA. If you have a question, we'll we'll pause and try to answer it. If you can get the the very uh, uh, wordy, verbose preacher to slow down. For a minute and and hear a question and respond so at any rate um good turnout tonight glad to have you guys also i didn't pray for d2 and the children's ministry but always on wednesday night there's uh we've, we're finishing up how to disciple it's only like one course away uh then we got d2 uh which should also be wrapping up in may uh and then of course kingdom kids will be transitioning to fun in the sun so um if you guys could help me out too um i'm still trying to get signups for the uh Christ Soccer Academy. We got just a week and a half as of today. So um, I've got little cards. If you want to hand those out, direct people to our website. I sent out a little video this week. You know, link them there, whatever. Um, but uh, we picked up a couple new, uh, you know, kids, children. But uh, we could use some more, especially in the upper ages. Um, and so, um, so if you know folks that are interested in that, I know soccer is well underway right now. Um, so. You can um, uh, you can uh, get the, you can if if you want you can um, you know let folks know this is a post it might kind of overlap a little but ideally just as soccer is wrapping up we'd love to have some of those soccer kids get some extra time in and, and it will be worth their effort I do believe uh, and so anyway all right so clear that off any questions all right it'll be a quick study we'll go home. That's an all-time record. We get out an hour early. So, yes, Pam. Wait, let me run the, the mic to you. <clears throat> Just as long as Amy doesn't ask. I've always had the hardest time with Amy's questions. She asks these questions, and I'm just like, wow, I do not know the answers. I don't even know where to begin. So, like, are you going to be home on time? No, that's – anyway. <laughs> so, when Jesus was on the cross – and right before he gave up the ghost, he said, why has thou forsaken me? And so I wonder, uh, my question is, how do we explain that if Christ, if he was Christ Jesus and he knew all things, why would he have to ask uh, why he was being forsaken? In a question. That's a good question. I'm glad Bob and Jeff are here to answer it. Um, now, what? Uh, let's look at the passage. Um, let's see, that's in. I think that's in Matthew. Matthew 27. All right. Let's look at the text and read it, and then we'll. Address that question. Matthew 27 and 
I think down around verse, uh, let's see, verse 450, no, let's see, 45, yeah, yeah. There it is, 46. So this is Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46. So if that go, they may go into the record somewhere for uh, recordings. So let's just back it up to verse 39, and uh, we'll go for, go from there uh, through 49. Give 10 verses in, but we're going to focus on verse 46 and answer the question of why, if Jesus is omniscient, um, and he is, then what, what was the purpose in him actually uttering these words on the cross, which is a good question. So verse 39, he says, and, and they and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, which was an insult, and saying, uh, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with scribes and elders said, He saved others himself, he cannot, uh, he cannot save. Meaning he, he saved others, semicolon, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. Uh, of course, they're tempting him to come off the cross, which he's not going to do because he's dying and atoning for our sin. Verse 43, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if uh, he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast uh, the same uh, in his teeth. Uh, now, uh, f- uh, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cr- uh, cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, uh, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias, which would be Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, uh, uh, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. That's an interesting, um, interesting, I mean, obviously it's interesting, it's the cross. Um, but that discussion about Elias, isn't that interesting? I think I find that interesting. That's a subject that goes through um, the... Um, uh, through the Gospels quite frequently, um, which is not the point of your question. So I'm not going to go there right now. Maybe that's a question for another day. But um, the question in particular, which is a good one, which is, is verse 46, um, about the ninth hour, um, and this is the conclusion of his suffering from the sixth to the ninth hour. So he suffered on the cross, um, you know, approximately uh, three hours for our sins uh, and the sins of the entire world. And um, and so he's coming to the conclusion, and he utters this uh, this 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 verbiage, um, and and of course he says Eli Eli, lama sabachthani, which is and then it's interpreted for us. So that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Eli, uh, they're they're thinking Elias Elias, but he's saying my God, my God, El like El Shaddai El. So he's saying my God. My God, personally, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's a good question. And so, um, before I, I got a, I got an answer, and I'm, I'm ready to give it. Um, 
but before I do, let me just throw it out on the floor. Now we got to pass the mic uh, because um, so can I have a mic runner? That way I'm not running it. Caleb, can you run the mic? And uh, and if does any well, first of all, does anybody have a response to why do you think he if he's omniscient and and he is God and he is God, why would he even utter these prayers? There's that's a pretty intense question actually. It's got a, there's a several layers to that, but. I'd be interested in what Candace has to say for all those in the out in the internet world. <laughs> um, if he's our example, is he maybe saying it for the benefit of others than necessarily himself? Because if he knows, then it's really for everybody else to see. Okay, so he did it for the benefit of others to hear and see. I'd agree with that for sure. And I'm going to touch a little. I'll expand on that. That's a that's a good answer. Bob also has a word. He's also quoting uh, from Psalm 22. Yep. Where it says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So he's filling that prophecy. Yep. Absolutely. Anybody else? You couldn't hear Bob? Okay. So he was saying that uh, that prophecy, uh, that is a direct quote from Psalm chapter 22. And he was fulfilling that prophecy. How many of you, let me just stop right there. How many of you knew that that was a direct quote from Psalm 22? Okay. So that that really is a large part of the question. However, he doesn't quote verbatim everything from Psalm 22 or Psalm 23. So <clears throat> Psalm chapter 20, let's go back and look at Psalm chapter 22. Uh, and so, Pam, I would, that is really my response is he was definitely not, he was doing it for the benefit of others, but um, but mainly, he, he's fulfilling Psalm chapter 22, and he is, um, at that point, dying on the cross, uh, or has done the work. And so it's a question that is you can kind of answer from the book of Psalms when you look at the thoughts of Jesus on the cross. And then you see the transition, which is really one of the, the cooler things. I mean, you talk about prophecy. If you're Jewish, you know, and maybe the Jews listening to this right now, they're going to always see the suffering of Jesus typically as the sufferings of Israel. Because in, in Exodus chapter 4, verse I believe 22, Israel is the son of God as a, as a nation. And God rebukes, um, you know, uh, that's one of the problems that God has with Pharaoh is that he's, he's abusing uh, his son. Israel slash not just Jacob, but his seed, which is the nation. So God deals with Israel as a nation. As a son, he deals with us individually as sons of God. Um, but Jesus Christ is the son of God, right? So, uh, and that's even mentioned, uh, you know, in the text that we read in Matthew. That's one of the things that they're, um, that they're bringing up there is that he is, you know, he says he is the son of God. Um, I'm looking for where, where we read that, but it's right there in the text that we read a moment ago. Uh, and so... He's saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, you go back to Psalm chapter 22, and that's the first verse that you see in verse 1. 
<laughs> it's also <laughs> it's also cited in Mark uh, fifteen uh, thirty four. <clears throat> but he says, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou far so far from helping me, and from the words of my roaring?" So that verse is important because he's asking a question. He's, he's not, you know, God doesn't waste words. And so Jesus is asking the question, you know, why aren't you answering my prayer? Why, well, why wasn't he? Yeah, Brian. Right. Right. So he's in, he's being, he's in, he's being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Chastened for our iniquity. Use a biblical term. Brian, did you have another Brian? Yeah, well, we aren't given that. We definitely know he quoted this verse. And, uh, but, it, you know, as to our no, I mean, to our knowledge, we don't, we just don't know that. What we know is what's quoted. So, yeah, it's finished. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he finished the atonement at that point. And so he didn't, and that's a good point in itself, kind of another uh Another addition to what we're talking about, because some people, some religions teach that Jesus went to hell and kept suffering for our sins for three days, which is not when he said it is finished. It was finished to Brian's point. It was done. And he's coming to the end. And that's and that's exactly that just kind of sets me up for what I want to just talk about here. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, he is God, right? But he's suffering as a man. He's all God and he's all man. And he's atoning for our sin. And, uh, and and so both Brian's are kind of highlighting that reality, right? He is our sacrificial lamb. Uh, and he's also doing, he, now he's bringing a question to the, he's bringing a legitimate question. Why is he suffering? Because he, he, has he done anything wrong? No, he's not. So he's asking this question. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Now, we know why, because of our sin, right? We know that, and he knows that, but he's, he's, he is. He's asking the Father. He's saying, hey, okay, it's the ninth hour. Why are you so far from helping me? Now, let's just keep reading, because now we have the mind of God, a prophecy written. I don't know. I don't have the date off the top of my head, but it was written. Uh, it was, it was well over. It's David would have been probably nearly a thousand years before Jesus was on the cross. I don't have the exact date, but you know they go into captivity in 606, and that's long after David. So let's just roughly say 800,000 years. Somebody can look that up for me and tell me. But so a long time before Jesus is on the cross, and look at what the Holy Ghost is recorded in Psalm chapter 22. He says, "Oh my God." I cry in the daytime. So I believe this is what he was thinking as he was on the cross. Uh, oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. Now, think about this. He's saying this as, as a Jew, because he's also the king of the Jews. He is the 
He's, you know, Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Well, he wasn't nothing compared to Jesus. Jesus is the Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he was the Jew, Jewish Messiah. So he's saying, he's saying, our fathers trusted in thee. That'd be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, of course, uh, and David, right? He's of the seed of David. And thou didst deliver them. Uh, they cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. All right, now think about that just from a perspective of Jesus being the innocent Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's, he's, he's petitioning himself. He's petitioning God saying, look, you gave mercy to these forefathers. When they cried, you heard them. And then he goes on to say, uh, verse uh, uh, 6, but I am a worm and no man. Now that's pregnant with meaning when you go and check out Isaiah and you look at Mark, right? When we die, uh, well, let me restate that. If you die without Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? If we if we die without Jesus atoning blood on our life, if we haven't called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, we are like a worm, quoting from Isaiah. The book of Mark quotes that, like, the, and the worm dieth not. The implication is that when we die, we go to hell and we're like a worm, right? The chief worm is Satan. He's a snake. Right, but we're we're like a worm, no arms, no legs, or bound uh, in some fashion, and uh, suffering. So it's interesting that he uses the word "I am a worm." What was he, he was pinned to a to a cross, couldn't move, and he was up there suffering for our sin. Uh, man, so uh, a way of looking at that, because some people were like, "Well, Jesus had to go to hell." No, hell was brought to Jesus on the cross. Just to be, you got to be clear about that. So hell was brought to him on the cross, and he was suffering like a worm, and no man. He's like, this isn't, this is terrible. A reproach of men, and despised of the people. Um, and we, you know, again, prophecy. He's despised and rejected, and he opened not his mouth. He's a lamb led to the slaughter. All they that that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, "Didn't we just read that in Matthew?" They were wagging their head saying he trusted on the lord that he would deliver him let him deliver him seeing he delighted in him but thou art he that took me out of the womb thou didst make me hope when i was upon my mother's breast i was cast upon thee from the womb thou art my god from my mother's belly Uh, this is now he's going back to his incarnation be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as ravening and a, as ravening and a roaring lion. First Peter 5, 8. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Now, if you've never read this, man, this is amazing. I mean, you're like reading the thoughts of Christ on the cross. It's, it's outstanding. For the dogs, what are dogs? What's that? Gentiles, right? That'd be Pilate and his gang, the, those Romans. Those dogs have compassed me. They assemble. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, hast, hast uh, thee to help me. Uh, 
Haste thee, I'm sorry, means come quickly. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Uh, Now, there's a little prayer for Israel. Um, Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Which, that's a whole other Bible study, talking about unicorns. Uh, Those are not, by the way, little, you know, horses with a big thing off their head. Um, But we'll move on. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. Will I praise thee? Now he's looking ahead. Like the, the, the things are turning. 22, 22. And notice the switch here. He's now he's making promises. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to talk to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise thee. This is going to happen. Uh, then he moves on. Yea, that uh, uh, ye, I'm sorry, ye that fear the Lord. Praise him. What? Now he's starting to have a praise party going on. All ye that all ye that uh, the seed of Jacob glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. It's like Rocky. I mean, he's coming back. Yeah, that's right. Rocky. We need to we need to claim that right. File a lawsuit. Copyright infringement. For he that hath not uh, despised nor abhorred the afflictions of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So there's, he says earlier, there's no one to help me. And that's true. But he's helping himself, so to speak, because he's God. And he's like, hey, listen, um, why has thou forsaken me? Well, obviously he forsook him for our sin. But now he's praying and he's like, hey, I trust you to come and help me. And now he's saying, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, my praise uh, shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All right, now he's claiming the kingdom. Like, I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords, because he is. Um, All that uh, be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted uh, to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that uh, he hath done this. Okay, now this is this is a fascinating. Now we all go to the psalm that we all know. If you just keep on going, the twenty-third psalm. It's in its title in my Bible, David's confidence, uh, which it is David's confidence in the grace of God. But this is actually, um, you know, the other the one we just read is David's complaint, historically speaking, because David's pouring all this stuff out, but he has no idea, like he's actually he is a Bible prophet. You know, he doesn't he doesn't even get it. Uh, and he is saying these words, but yet it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you move into chapter 23, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Very familiar. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He just got smote, right? And uh, 
and he just got he got he's on the cross and now he's like hey the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me i mean he's just coming right out of this thing and uh, he goes on to say thou and i love this in verse five thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over right he is just filled the cup of god's wrath has been poured out on him for our sin and now he's saying his cup runneth over right he's in the presence of his enemies and now anoints his head with oil picture the holy ghost his cup runneth over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life i will dwell in the house of the lord forever and then he gets into chapter 24 the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and all that dwell therein for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods who shall ascend into the hill of the lord or who shall stand in his holy place he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Rest, Selah. Lift up your heads, O, o ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, O ye everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. And who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So you see a complete transition. He's a worm in chapter 22. He's a king and a victorious king, no less, in chapter 25. So his first coming, of course, he came as a man and he suffered as a man. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from the, the words of my roaring? And we know his heart, right? He is blameless. He is harmless. Uh, and yet he has suffered on, on our account. He gives up the ghost, as he said. It is finished. When it was finished, it was finished. The atonement was over. He goes to the center of the earth, and he preaches to the captivity uh, captives, and he preaches, uh, he preaches that, of course, that he is the Lord. And on the third day, he ascends. Well, he resurrects, and then he ascends um, and goes to heaven, atones for our sins before the throne and comes back. And guess what he does? He's in the midst of his brother, and he's talking to him. He's preaching to him. And for 40 days, uh, he spends 40 days with his disciples. He just, boop, pops in, first Sunday night service, pops in the middle of the room, and goes on from there and, uh, and uh, prepares them for Pentecost when the Spirit of God comes upon them, teaching them that you really don't need me to stay around. You want me to go. Right, because then the Spirit of God's going to come, and you will have the you'll have that power that you need to do what I've called you to do, which is to go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And and so, uh, so the answer to the question is really why did he say that out loud? I would agree with the fact that it's prophecy, specifically he's king. Um, did he have to say that out loud? Um, I don't know, but he chose to, and it keys us back to Psalm chapter twenty-two, so we can get the full. Uh, you know, understanding of what was going on on the cross right there, uh, which is amazing. To me, Psalm 22, like I was just talking about uh, this last night with Amy. We were at the soccer game, and we were talking about some people that used to go to church here. And, and um, one young man, he never really got grounded. He was never really in discipleship. I don't think he got very far. But uh, the world gets a hold of you and says, oh, you can't trust the Bible. Uh, you know, it's just a collection of stories, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I and I was on the phone with this fella because he he didn't, he never came back in the building. But I called him and I was like, hey, 
um, you know, so tell me about your, your, you know, your uh, crisis of faith here, man. Why, why are you walking away from the Lord? Well, you know, I just don't think, I think it's just a collection of stories written by people, you know, and it's not reliable, the Bible. Da, 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 da. And so I said, hey, I just need to ask you, have you like, I mean, considered the prophecies of Daniel? I mean, how did, how did that work out? I mean, how can, how can God just predict, uh, you know, hundreds of years in advance all of human history? And just Daniel, the whole thing, the whole iron head and the whole thing, all the kingdoms of the world until the coming of Jesus Christ. Not to, to mention the coming of Jesus Christ himself right on time. Um, and, of course, he was like, well, I never thought of that. I still never saw him come back. I say all that to say this. Jesus' spirit, it says in Revelation, uh, his testimony, I should say, rather, is the spirit of, of prophecy. His testimony in Revelation 19 says he is the spirit of prophecy. So what that means is when he says something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. His testimony is the spirit of prophecy. He is not going to lie. He can't lie. God is, he, he's true. Let God be true and every man a liar. So, so he's true and his promises are true. And so, so when he makes a promise, whether it's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, you know, it's going to come to pass. Uh, and if you read the Bible and you really grab a hold of that, you know uh, there is no way in the world this, got a, this thing was programmed uh, and it's just some collection of random thoughts. And that's the Book of Mormon. But that is not the Bible. You know, you can read the Book of Mormon and then you can't find any of the archaeological evidence because there ain't any, right? Uh, it's just not true. But this book is true from cover to cover. Uh, if you don't want to believe it, you don't have to. God will let you break your neck on it if you want. But it's still, you read Psalm 22 after, like, this is a good question. Why did he say that? You know, and what was the point of that? And then you go back and read Psalm 22 and you're like, whoa, that is amazing. Uh, everything that God has provided prophetically uh, to uh, to give us an understanding of his priestly work on the cross. I mean, he was he's he's the king of kings and he is the he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I mean, he is interceding for us, uh, not just as a priest, but then as our sacrifice. It's I like to use that analogy. Like if you, you know, Jesus, uh, he plays so many roles as your advocate and your propitiation. Right, so you're guilty before the judge. He's your lawyer. He's advocating for you as your lawyer. Then when you get sentenced to death, he's like, okay, now he puts on the yellow jumpsuit or the orange jumpsuit or the black and white jumpsuit, whichever one you're wearing, and he runs off and he gets he gets he takes your penalty for you. I mean, he just he takes takes care of everything. He's amazing. Jeff, you have a comment back there. I don't mean to. Let me let me run the mic back because I know. Well, we're not even hearing in the house, let alone on online. So. Okay, I, I stepped out just for a little bit, but um, again, in, in addressing the question, uh, John 1.1 1, 1 says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus Christ was the incarnate Word of God, okay? He says in uh, Matthew 5, this is Jesus speaking, he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets, I am not come to destroy but to fulfill for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And then in John's gospel, in John 19, 
and 28, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. So you may have addressed that, but another reason why he quoted that is to fulfill all scripture. Yeah, absolutely. You may have said that when I stepped out of the room, but. I don't know if I said it that succinctly, but absolutely. And, and I was, I think I was saying that. And if you key on that, you can go back and even see what he was thinking, which is amazing. So you get the, he was fulfilling the scripture. Fulfilling the scripture according to the will of God. Lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a, it's amazing. Um, that's why when we say this is the mind of God, we're not just like talking generically like, oh, this is the mind of God. Like this is the mind of God. It is powerful. It's, he exalts his word above his name. Um, it's it's uh, it's a mind boggling. His name is the word. Yes, sir. Okay. Bobby says... He was also human. Why did he pray to take this from me? Why hast thou forsaken me? For contact with the Father. I think the human part of him felt need for his Father's power. As being human, also, maybe he needed to feel his Father's power to get him through. Okay. I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, he definitely was all God and all man. And, uh, and he was human. And he was all God. I and the Father are one. So that's kind of, that's when our minds start to melt. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, if you can explain that really good, good. I don't know. But he limited himself. He be, he made himself a little lower than the angels. Why? Do you know the, how that verse concludes? Let's find the reference because I don't, I, uh, I don't remember where, I, where that's at. Hebrews 2. I think it's chapter uh, 1, as you say that. But we'll find out. I could be. What is it? 2 9. Hebrews 2 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for this, there it is, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grave, or by, I'm sorry, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Uh, so he definitely all human um, and all God, but certainly uh, he when he is resting in the words that which are his, they are the they are the promises of the Father. He's really, really. I want to be careful what I say here because I don't want to say anything that's untoward. But at the end of the day, he's trusting in his integrity, which is impeccable. I mean, he his, he makes the promise. He fulfills the promise. He, he's 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 the only man that's sinless. He's the only man that has suffered this injustice and is worthy. Why hast thou forsaken me? Well, we know he knows why. He knows what Hebrews two nine says. Right? He suffered death for men. That's why he did it for our sins. But he also knows that God he's just, and he's a justifier. So, I mean, God, you know, nothing snuck up on him, but he did suffer. He sweat drops of blood for a reason because he did not, as a human and as God, uh, 
that's the thing that blows me away probably more than anything is uh, several years ago, this, this set in on me shortly after we started Heartland down here, also in Hebrews, um, I believe it's chapter 1. That's probably why I thought it was chapter 1. Um, also extolling his his deity in chapter 1. Maybe it's not chapter 1, so where am I at here? This is the problem of QA. i got to figure out where I'm at and where I'm going here. All right, so uh, he's the priesthood in chapter 5. Let me look this up real quick. If I just keep looking, God will show it to me. Um I'm looking for where he learned obedience to the things that he suffered. Okay, I'm like looking at it. Uh, I was looking at it. Five eight, very good. Thank you, man. You're all over it, Caleb. Tonight you're hitting it. So uh, Hebrew Hebrews five eight. This just blows me away. It says, uh, though he were a son, now uh, it's a capital S, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And then I've already alluded to this in verse 10, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So he's greater than the law. Melchizedek preceded the law. Um, and, uh, and, of course, Abraham offered tithes to him. So, so Jesus Christ um, learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And so when I think about Jesus, you know, praying and dropping, sweats, uh, sweating drops of blood and the agony that he was going through, unlike me or you, um, like he's never had to, dis- he was never going to disobey, ever. I mean, he's obedient. That's it. And so suddenly he's in a situation and he's like, uh, you're asking me to become sin? And he knows what he's doing. He knows he's there. But his, his, everything in him is like, I don't, I don't have anything to do with sin. But that's why he was created. He was made a little lower than angels for the suffering of death. That's why he came to the planet was to suffer as our sacrifice for sin. And when it came right down to it, what did he say? Not my will, but thine be done. So as a human... Getting kind of to Bobby's point, right? I mean, as a human, he did not want to go to the cross. Not just as a human, but as the God-man. Because he was sinless, unlike us. Now, I don't want to go to the cross because it's going to hurt. I don't think he was sweating drops of blood because he was worried just about the pain. No, the excruciating pain he was about to go through is also, as a human, you wouldn't want to experience. But I think equal and even greater to that was the fact that this, he knew that he knew what was coming. That's why he, I mean, and he was going to be separated for three hours on the cross dealing with our sin. And, and that's the last thing when you're holy that you want to do. Does anyone, you know, if you ever seen that movie Slumdog Millionaire, um, at the beginning of that movie, that kid goes deep into the uh, the latrine and he's just covered in feces. That is just the most disgusting thing I've, I've you know. And it's also somewhat like a reality, you know, every good movie, I got to believe, you know, 
I know Rocky really can't get back up again, but I want to believe he can, you know. Well, I can believe that slumdog scene. I've been to India, and I've seen the, the filth, and, and I, I've, that scene just is like, oh, my gosh, that is so disgusting. That's what it would, does anyone want to experience that? No, not, as a, not on a human level. And just think about the spiritual disgusting nature of sin on a holy God. I, I don't think I can actually fully appreciate what Jesus was going through as he was praying in the garden. I don't, that's, that's at another level that I'm not privy to yet until I, maybe I get my glorified body and I can really comprehend all that. But man, I mean, he was going to suffer for the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became sin. I mean, he's a propitiation for our sin, getting back to First John chapter 2. I mean, he is not just like a little bit getting into the sin. I mean, he's, so he's, he's like learning obedience. He's, and what's he say? You know, not my will, but thine be done. He's praying to the Father saying, not my will, but thine be done. Well, if he's God, how can he say that? Well, what's he doing? He's learning obedience through the things that he suffered. Now, I do think you can extrapolate that out as well to his whole incarnation, right? I mean, at some point, he had to step out of out of eternity, out of the Godhead, and be born of a woman and be incarnated for the first time. Now, he shows up all the way. He's been in a body forever. I mean, he shows up all the way through the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. Whether you call it Christophany, a theophany, whichever title you want to call it. I mean, he's there with Joshua. He's there with Abraham. I mean, he's there all through the Old Testament. He's showing up. He's in the fiery furnace. I mean, so Jesus is, he's hanging around. I mean, he's, it's not like he didn't have a body, but he was never a, he was never limited like us until his incarnation. So that, that was, a, that was one thing to be obedient, to, to come in his incarnation, but then to live a sinless life for 33 and a half years and then get to this place in the garden where he's like, okay, now we're going to we're going to do this. You know, last month we were we were I was over here crying because Lazarus, you know, because I knew what was coming in John chapter 11. And uh, I'm talking about Jesus, not me, but, you know, he's Lazarus. You know, they're all weeping. Jesus is going to resurrect the guy. I mean, it's not like Jesus is like emotionally worried about Lazarus's death. What's he thinking about? He knows what is coming for him. It's the grave. And uh, and he knows what's coming, and so that's a lot to put on a put on a God, <laughs> to put on God. I mean, you talk about humble man. He is the most humble God. That's why I like that song. How many kings? You know, how many kings? It comes around at Christmas, but uh, it's a great song. How many kings would would uh, you know give up their throne? You know, how many kings would come to this earth and 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 become sin for us? That's a lot to pray through in the garden. And he's saying, Father, not my will, but thine be done. I, I, he's obeying the Father. Everything in him was like, no, I am holy. I am just. I am clean. I am pure. I, am, I, don't, I don't deserve the cross. Of course he doesn't deserve the cross. But he loved the Father, and the Father loved the world. So he's like, well, God, if you love the world, I'm going to obey the Father. Because he was setting us a pattern. If you love me, what do you do? Keep my commandments. So he says, this is what love looks like. It's not how you feel. It's what you believe and you do. And so he believed what the Father said and he did it. And he knows, Psalm chapter 22, that, he will be, that God is good and he'll be rewarded. 
So, but man, he had to go all the way to death. It's it's, it's intense when you think about what was going on, and with uh, with God redeeming the world, and that is obviously for men, but it's not just for men. The angels desire to look into these things. So this is setting the whole heaven on edge. I mean, everybody's like, what is going on? This is amazing. I mean, God is. I don't even, I don't know, guys. I'm probably getting, I'm getting out of my pay grade here. Some of this we'll just have to get in our glorified bodies and get to heaven and really see it from God's perspective. But it's amazing. Yeah, Bob, you have a, I don't know where the mic's somewhere else, but. These are things, these are things that, you know, you just think about. But how he learned obedience. Not because he did anything wrong like us. I learned to be obeyed because I got spanked five times, you know. No, I didn't learn that. That's not how he learned obedience. He learned obedience by putting himself against his own will, his love and his grace. And he's like, okay, I'm going to put myself at odds with myself. And I'm going to put, and God's the father and I'm the son. I'm going to submit. Boom. Obedience. Yes, sir. Job 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, mm. but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Amen. Yeah, that's a great verse. What was that again? What's the address on? Job thirteen fifteen. That's good. Did you all get that verse when he read that? Okay. Yeah, man. Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So, and his ways were right. All right. So I think I beat that not to death, but yes, ma'am. Let's get her the mic. You do not be just because I can hear you, but nobody else will. And on the internet, Bobby and. And here you. There you go. Uh, so you mentioned about some religions think that he went to hell for three days. Uh-huh. So in Luke, when he was hung with the... Well, with he did the, go to hell for three days. I want to be careful. You do? Oh, he I did mean, go to the did, center of the earth. He didn't suffer in hell for three days. Oh, okay. That's the distinction. Yeah. I'm, okay. glad you, I'm glad you said that. So I didn't... Well, I was just wondering because in Luke, he's, he's on the cross next to the thief and he says... Um, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And then if you look in John, he tells um, Mary, uh, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. And that was three days later. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he went to the center of the earth. Um, and so hell is a compartment. I didn't bring my board in tonight. But um, hell is called prison. Uh, and so it's got, we know from Luke 16 uh, when we're looking at the account there with uh, the rich man and Lazarus, that there's a a gulf fixed, right, a fix, and there's Abraham's bosom. So uh, those those Old Testament saints are in Abraham's bosom. And then those that, now the guy, the rich man was a Jew. So even in the, that context, just being Jew, Jewish didn't save you. Um, and so so that old, those Old Testament saints um, that had faith and kept the law were in the, uh, in Abraham's bosom, and everybody else was in in hell. But that whole compartment is technically hell, if that makes sense. So it's but there's Abraham's bosom that was contained in that. Now we see Paul says, "I was in paradise." Paradise was, is also the, was Abraham's bosom. Now it's we see paradise when he was in the third heaven. He he identified paradise. That's because of what the Bible says. Captivity was delivered up, and and so now those souls are in in the third heaven they're not no longer in the prison of hell and hell is filling up with souls since that time but jesus was there and he was preaching to the captives 
So they were, and obviously, like you can see, uh, oh, thanks, honey. So you can see in the, in the, uh, you can see that whenever um, Lazarus was, um, or the rich man was in hell, he was able, they were able to communicate clearly across that goal. So I presume that obviously that everybody could hear Jesus as well when he was in the center of the earth. I mean, and no, that's done. Um, no, they're, they're reserved to the lake. And then the lake of fire comes. That's Revelation chapter 20. Well, actually, no, let me back that up. Uh, well, that is Revelation 20. After the, after the millennial reign of Christ, you have the lake of fire after a thousand year reign of Christ. So um, a lot of people conflate hell with the lake of fire. Hell's bad for sure. I mean, you can see how bad it is with with the rich man. Um, and I don't think that's a parable. A lot of people say that's a parable. Now, I think it's Lazarus and a rich man, and it happened just like it said. It doesn't even say it's a parable. Usually it, it says this is a parable. He starts off that chapter 16 with a parable, but that story isn't, I don't believe, a parable. It's an account. Um, having said that, when you get to, to uh, the end of John, uh, Revelation chapter 20 and they cast, uh, you know, everyone small and great into the lake of fire, that's that's death and hell are delivered up. So, yeah, he made some more room in hell after the resurrection. So I want to, I'm glad you said that, but let me back up so I don't confuse or anyone misunderstand me. What I was alluding to is that in um, the book of Jonah, um, Jonah was suffered. He he was three days in the in the in the belly of the whale, and it, and it talks about uh, hell taking hold on him. Uh, well, we can just go look at it. And so, um, Hosea, Jonah, Micah. Okay, there's Jonah right after Obadiah. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nam. All right, so Jonah. Um, chapter, let me find it real quick. I think verse chapter two, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God out of the fish's belly. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell. I cried I, and thou heardest my voice uh, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas of the floods come past me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The waters come past me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the, the bottoms of the mountains, the earth um, with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou uh, brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Uh, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in, uh, unto thee in the whole, into thine holy temple. Uh, they that observe uh, lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. By the way, that's Jesus' name, salvation. And the Lord uh, spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And it is appropriate to, um, um, uh, you know, point back to this passage in Jonah because Jesus himself said, 
hey, listen, you hard-hearted Jews, this is the, this is the, this is the sign you're going to get. It's a sign of Jonah, right? And so what, what's he saying? Well, after three days, he's going to rise from the dead. So you say, well, well then Brian, if, it, if there's a prophecy here in Jonah and it says that he was in hell and, uh, and he was in hell, you know, um, and so Jesus went to the hell in the center of the earth and he preached to the captives. So why didn't Jesus suffer? And well, Brian Parrott answered it earlier because he said it is finished. That's why it's on the cross. He finished it. So you don't, you can't, you can't, you can't pull all of that into the New Testament and say, oh, well, then Jesus went to the center of the earth and suffered uh, just because Jonah did. Right? There is a historical account going on. Now, Jesus is making the point that after three days, Jonah came back. Well, after three days, Jesus came back, which is very clear. And Jesus prophesied that. If you were here on Easter, I, pre- I gave several accounts before Jesus ever went to the cross where he says, the Son of Man must suffer and die. And I mean, he told him, and in three days rise again. I mean, so none of that was a secret, although they couldn't understand it because in my message, if you remember, I said because at that time they didn't know the scripture. Even though Jesus, who is the word of God, was verbalizing exactly what was going on until they nailed it. That was my whole point in the message. Until they nailed it down in the scripture and the Holy Ghost could teach him all of that, it was going over their heads, just like it does with us sometimes. But my, I, there's some, and I say that among Baptists, I mean, Bible believers, there's probably some people that would take exception. Uh, I don't think anybody, I don't know, I don't know, but I'm just going to tell you, it is finished. It was finished, his atonement was finished on the cross. Um, I'm not afraid of Jonah, I'm not afraid of the prophecy, it's there. Uh, but I don't believe Jesus suffered in hell one bit. All of hell was brought to him for three hours on the cross. Uh, that's a question that... Um, there was a brother in these parts uh, several years ago, um, and I'm talking 20-plus years ago, that used to teach that, that Jesus suffered in hell for three days. So that's why I'm being very specific about that. So I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't want you to think he didn't go to the center of the earth. He didn't go to hell and preach to the captives because he certainly did. But he was victorious at that point. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, in a sense, he was bound. He had to wait three days. But he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, it was finished. You know, when he said it was finished, it was finished. His atonement was over. So he was, he, and he was the king. And he, that's the kind of stuff he was preaching, I believe. You know, the last part of chapter 22, Psalms 23, uh, if not specifically those words coming out of his mouth. I mean, I'm sure the scripture, he just, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. We'll find out. But he was preaching he victory, victoriously. And then, of course, you mentioned he rose again, and he hadn't yet ascended to his father, right? He hadn't gone and appeared. He was still doing the priestly work. There's also, um, it's interesting, too, because you're traversing through, um, like, all phases of the temple, of a high, as a high priest would do. Uh, you come from the outside of the court to the Gentile court to the inner court to the Holy of Holies. And that's very, very much like what Jesus did as he's, um, they're on the other side, yeah. So, you know, if you had a temple, he's going to, a, a priest is going to, this is, this is crude. Um, let me put the temple in here. And so you've got, you got the Holy of Holies, you got the outer court, and then you got, you know, out here with the dogs, so to speak. Well, the, the universe, I'm just going to make it 
like a garment. Um, the earth is his footstool. Um, and so uh, if this is his throne, for just sake of communicating, and we got light years here, I don't know, black holes, I don't know how we get from here to there, but God knows. Um, and so he's in the center of the earth. So you, this is, we call, Paul calls this the third heaven. That's terrible. You can't even tell it's a D. But anyway, you got you know what I'm saying. We could presume then that this is the second heaven. That's what we call it, which is outer space, right, cosmos. And then, of course, this is the first heaven is our atmosphere, which is not so. It looks like a. It's like that cell technology that we learned back in the 70s and 80s, which we, we know was false. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So this is the atmosphere, and, and uh, the first heaven would be uh, our atmosphere. All right, and so Jesus, he traverses uh, from outside. Well, actually, from uh, he goes out, and he goes through the first heaven, the second heaven, gets to the third heaven, atones. And within like an hour, he's back on the road to Emmaus, hanging out, you know, talking to people, having dinner. So he's able to he's able to traverse through time and space just like that. Which, of course, in his glorified body, that's what he does. But he says, "Don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my Father." And so he resurrects, comes up, then he shoots up, comes back, and then he's he begins to start his time with his disciples for forty days preparing them and then of course when he ascends in acts chapter 1 and verse 8 it's a slow roll right he's like hey he's in the clouds they're watching so it's so slow they can watch him ascend and and it's in the clouds which is important because that's how he's going to return and so he'll uh he'll catch up he'll we'll see him in the clouds and it'll be visible um and then the second coming uh will be all eyes will see him then. Ours is an invisible catching away. The second coming is everybody sees it. So there's distinctions between the catching away of the church and what's called the second coming. But interestingly enough, he's able to traverse through. This was a concept that blew me away. Like there was a third heaven, like there's a literal place in the universe. When Because before I got saved, when I was lost, I, I dabbled, um, just shared this a little bit Sunday. A lot of people didn't know that. I used to read witchcraft books when I was a little kid. And I think I picked up some probably some nasty spirits on the way. And so, wh- why do you do witchcraft? For all you, I just heard someone today, uh, their their child is messed up in Wicca. Just real quick, what is power? That's always what it is. If you're into witchcraft, it's all about power. You're wanting to be able to say whatever, abracadabra, and make something happen. You know, it's all wicked. And so, um, uh, but the witchcraft, and then later on. Uh, if you all done any Eastern meditation, mysticism stuff, you know, you're trying to find your mind's eye, trying to astro project, whatever, remote viewing, whichever, you know, nuance you want to call it. Um, uh, you know, all of that stuff leads you to think about like heaven in this nirvana, like a state of mind, this, this, uh, this, st- this, I don't know. I don't know. When I was lost, I just, I, because of all this perversion that I had put in my mind about, um, about, spirituality i just had this concept that heaven was a a dimension more than a like and it kind of is a dimension but it i didn't really like i couldn't like in my brain get to the reality like what the bible teaches i mean jesus was able to literally traverse through time and space 
get to the third heaven and come back. And like there's a physical domain. You know, you got to have a spiritual body to be there. But still, I'm like, what? And man, when I got a hold of that concept after I got saved, man, it just blew my mind, you know. And uh, it's awesome to think about. I don't know about you all. Maybe it's not a big deal because you maybe didn't have your minds corrupted like mine was. But that just really set me straight. I don't know. It just gave me this incredible anchor, you know, and it just helped all these things in the gospel and Jesus traversing from heaven to uh, from earth to heaven, back to earth, and then going up in Acts and second coming and all those things. Man, it all just kind of made it click when I just believed what the Bible said. And Paul, you know, going to the third, in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. Hey, there's some mysterious stuff, but it is not as, it is it is clear, you know. There are dimensions. There are bounds to these things, and God's the one who sets them. And at the same time, He's eternal. So, it just really, it just really helped me realize that, like, uh, like heaven was not just some mystical, spiritual nirvana. You know, it's like there's a throne, there's God, and what you see on earth is a reflection. Right, the real thing is there. You know, it's like, oh wow, now I get it. Of course, when you're lost, heaven is earth, and you don't really can't think much about it. And anything beyond that, you're just in a big cloud of lostness. And that's where I was at. But anyway, so that's a little bit about my testimony. But if you maybe you're, you uh, never thought about those things, it's amazing how he traversed <laughs> through time and space, came back so quickly. Stuff that we're like looking at the Hubble telescope, and it's like light years away. You know, cool just awesome i don't know truly awesome jeff i'm using the word in its context tonight awesome is i'm you know why it's awesome i'm out of words there's just no way to 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 express his his greatness i mean he is he's amazing and yet he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross i mean you get no more humble than that it's just crazy how how good god is how he uses the weak things to confound the wise he's just you can't, I just, I don't know, you just can't say enough about God. He's good. That's why we should praise him and glorify him and give our life for him. He's just so much better than us. So, okay, I'm done. Anybody, I'm going to wrap it up. Any comments, questions? Did I answer your question? I'm glad I clarified. I miss, you had a miss, I didn't communicate well, so I'm glad I got that out. Because uh, I don't want anyone leaving here thinking that Jesus uh, never went to the center of the earth and preach to the captives because he certainly did do that all right okay let's pray and we will be dismissed heavenly father thanks for this opportunity